1: The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 207 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also fanatics. Just me and Lee to take you through today's show. A little bit of a a delay on this week's show. Apologies, but totally unavoidable. Um, so we're going to be, be looking back obviously at the the Tottenham game from Saturday, Everton two spares, two. Um, a, a funny old game, it's a, you know, it was one of those games where it probably went the way you'd expect in terms of spares having the ball. We know, however, Everton didn't, see, they got over 40% possession for the first time in a little while, which I was surprised when, when Pete was giving me the rundown on the way home as I was driving home, he was going through all the stats, and I was a bit surprised by that to be fair. But, it you know Spurs decent technical side we know since Pastor Coglu's come in how he sets them up but we also said on the show you know um, they will get you know Everton will get chances we saw that at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it played out that way at Goodison Park as well because the the line is so high um, and they're they're a good side going forward but we can certainly cause them a few problems ourselves and and we did and late to, to all two all obviously was the final score fair result would you say? Um,
0: I think overall, you'd probably say yes. I mean, you know, for those that are interested in the XG stats, Everton should have won the game arguably two or three, one, shouldn't they? Um, based on obviously chances, but you know, one of the big differences between the two sides is the uh quality of finishes in, 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 in opposing boxes. You know, you saw two goals from Richarlison that were outstanding finishes. Whether we want to accept that or not, it's the truth, isn't it? You know, even the first one, it looks simple, but it's a pullback and he's 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 sweeped it into the net on his weak foot on the volley. And, um, you know, right now, as well as I think Calvert Lewin's all round game has been good for the team, he's you know, if that would have fell to him, would he have scored? On current form, you'd probably argue not. And and you know, you can't buy a goal at the minute and even heading a heading a ball in from a yard out, even took a nick off one of our other players. So he can't even break the duck either, which I feel for him. Um, but going back to your point, I just felt, I felt two two. You'd have taken it before the game, definitely, because we all know Spurs are a very good team. You know, man for man, let's be honest, their squad is is a very very good squad. You know, a lot of those players would get in our team, wouldn't they? Very few of ours would get in their team, which is normally a barometer for how good they are. Obviously, they've had some money invested in it. Let's not escape that as well. Um, but you'd have taken 2-2 before the game. And to be honest, we, we probably should have got at least a 2-2 at their gaff as well. Um, you mentioned about the stats, you know, 60-40 in that respect. I was looking at the game the game stats when we played them only a few weeks ago at their place. Um, I will say a few weeks ago. It was obviously back in December, wasn't it? But... Um, you know, it was very similar it was it was it was um 61 39 so basically sixty forty again so this Spurs team as good as they are and exciting as they are going forward they will give you chances as proven in, in both games um and I just think if I'm summarizing it um in my head I just think we just lack that little bit of little bit of guile or someone to put their foot on it in the final third to make that final pass. I said to you off air before, you know, kind of like a James Madison. If we have had a James Madison, you know, he he divides opinion because of the type of character he is, but there's no escaping. He's He's a very good footballer, isn't he? He's very composed on the ball. You know, he can spot a pass. He doesn't panic in possession when people are pressing him. We just needed that someone with a little bit of composure in the final third to, you know, to play that final pass or to play that final cross. Because you, know, you can criticise Dom all you like, but let's be honest, we're not exactly cr- creating a plethora of chances for him, are we? You know, He's not missing sitters like Darwin every week. You know, He's doing well to get two or three chances in a game. So, overall, I would say 2-2 is a fair result. And a result, like I said before, we would definitely take beforehand.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, the, a real positive is, is the fact that we went behind so early on, You know, and, and, and we still recovered to get something from the game. And it's always a it's always a bitter pill to swallow when you you do concede so early. You know you want to make home advantage tell you you want to sign build a little bit of pressure, whether it's from the stands, you know, with the, the players on the pitch. And we like with United, you know, yet again when when the eyes of the world are on uh, on Goodison Park, you know we've got all the the protests going on again, um, and we, we can see the early goal and it almost sucks the life out of the stadium. But you know for, for us to recover. Uh, and get something from the game, I think, was was, was really really important, and, and it's it's a good sign that the mentality of these players. You know, again, we were stretched, weren't we? You know, no, I'm in the O'Nane. Great to have Garner back. I'm going to discuss his, his his great performance, his great performance in a minute. But you know, you you're still missing Decore, right? even though it was massively important. It was great to see Seamus Coleman obviously back on the bench, and obviously he made a a fleeting appearance as well. But we're still we still are stretched. We're still a very very thin squad and we we're still you know not at that particular level that we that we we want to be at but we're grinding things out the fulham game the week the weekend before we we, we grind out to sorry the, the tuesday before we grind us a nil nil draw you could could argue we, we should have won the game you know two or three late massive chances late on that we should have really scored you know but you look at that game and you know of, of all people who pops up and and scores inside though you know three or four minutes and it was a charles and you know Lovely finish. I thought we were we were poor on the right hand side. You know, Ben Godfrey I thought, had a good game, but I thought early on there you know, the way that they just carved us open it was pretty poor. But, you know, Richarlison doing what he what he's been doing in in recent weeks for Spurs and and that's scoring goals and lovely finish let, was left us on the on the volley, uh past past Jordan Pickford. And it was uh it wasn't a great start to the game, but I want to come on to, obviously, the, our, our midfielders, Garner and Garner shortly and, and the rest of the game, but I think at this point, I think it's important that we do discuss the whole... Uh, there was a lot, a lot of chatter around when the Charleston scored and people saying, you know, you shouldn't be celebrating when an opposition player scores, etc., etc. Now, obviously, I was there. I was in my usual seat in the paddock in, in line with the uh, the Gladys Street goal, if you like, and... No-one celebrated a Charleston score, and that, that's the first point. Good goal. The Charleston very subdued in a celebration, almost embarrassed, if you like. We know he loves the club. We know the fans love the A lot of admiration for him. We know he was sold because he had to be sold. I mean, we know we'd probably still be here now if we didn't have to sell him. You know, it's its as simple as that, but he apologised. He sort of bowed and said sorry, and and that's what evoked the reaction from, from the Gladys' end. Now, I'll come to you, Lee, and get get your your thoughts on that because obviously we can see the goal three minutes in. Um, as I said, we know how fond most Everton fans are of Richardson. and we know how much he loves Everton Football Club. What's your take on on that reaction from the fans when he when he does apologise, bows, and and does say, you know, I'm sorry for scoring almost.
0: Well, I think you and I have a difference of opinion here, so you, you, you'll you'll no doubt give me yours in a second. But, um, For me, and there was a bit of chatter, but about Richarlison before the game uh, on social media on on, on Twitter uh, or X as it's known now, um, a lot of them saying, look, you know, and rightly so in some quarters, you know, he, he plays for opposition, the opposition team now, you know, that's water under a bridge, done and dusted with him, you know, um, that type of shenanigans. you know, so, even some even coming out saying he wanted out all along, you know, yada yada yada, and. and I disagree with a chunk of that because one thing you couldn't question when Richarlison came to Everton was his commitment to the club. Now, he came for a big fee. Um, for me, he lived up to that fee because, let's be honest, he was still a young kid when we signed him and it was a bit of a gamble for the money we paid. Um, but ultimately, Daniel Levy has got a bargain. Because, we, you know, as we know with the full story, we had to sell him by a certain deadline, um, which is now contentious in itself. But, you know, I think we undersold him in today's market by probably 20, 25 million. Uh, and he's starting to show that now. And the Spurs fans are starting to fall in love with him. Like we did as a fan base, but not only could they see what he gives for the team, he's now scoring goals regularly. It's, it's the type of person he is. You know, he's, he's, he's almost, in, for me, I'd put him in the same bracket as... You know, UK Hills as as a, a, a real fan's favourite, but like a top guy as well, and 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 I I put him in this you know along the same sort of uh, pedestal as 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 like a Tim Cahill in in recent times, and um, and and for certainly for the younger fans, you know, he, he was almost like their modern day Duncan Ferguson, wasn't he? You know, in terms of being a talisman, you know, we only have to look back at some of the images, some of the important goals he scored, you know, the famous picture with him with the, with the blue flare and things like that, you know that will always be iconic and he's a big reason why we stayed in the premier league you know ultimately he got double figures goals every single season in all competitions he was with us and let's be honest latterly in in a, in a pretty average side as well the re, you know the some of the goals he got as i said were vital including the, the game against palace everyone talks about obviously dom who got the winning goal but he, he got the equalizer and he'd had a tear in his thigh, hadn't he? He should never have been anywhere near the bench, never mind the pitch. And, and, and he could barely learn, run. You and I were talking about that game not long ago and the guy was hobbling around everywhere. He gave absolutely everything. So you could never question his commitment. You could never question his loyalty. Off the pitch, he clearly loved the club, absolutely loved the club. You know, he's got no affinity with us whatsoever and he's a boy from very humble beginnings in Brazil. Who's just fallen in love with our football club? And if you to ask him privately now, I would probably say he's an Everton fan. You know, he'll never come out publicly and say it because he was obviously playing for Spurs, but he clearly loves it. And some of the images that have emerged post-game, you know, with some of the younger fans and that when he was getting off the bus, yeah. That just sums him up as a person, doesn't it? Really sums him up. And I think that's the affinity between him and us as a club. Everton fundamentally is a very much a club of the community. You know, know, people call it, you know, Moyes coined it the People's Club and And I think that's what Richarlison fell in love with because he could relate to that from where he was from. And going back to your point in terms of the celebration, look, it's not as if we got everyone, like you said, jumped off their seat to, 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 you know, applaud the guy who scored a good goal. It was more of a, there was a pause after he scored because obviously you've just conceded and there's always that silence. But it is it is that sort of the way he celebrated, got you know, shall we say, a lukewarm applause from some of the people in the Street and some of the people in the ground, and I think that's just a mutual respect between you know a player like I said who clearly loves the club, still loves the club in my opinion, and a fan base, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I know we differ here slightly, and I know that will people will be listening to this now going what the hell are you on about? But for me, I just think there's nothing wrong with mutual respect in sport. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think that was a moment there. You know, some people, have, some of the older fans have said, look, we did exactly the same for Bob Latchford in 1981. You know, when he scored for Swansea against us, again, you know, he applauded the fans, they applauded him back. Now, let's caveat that I believe we were 3-0 up at the time, so it's slightly different circumstances, but the point I'm saying is mutual respect again and I don't think you know, in the world of sport, in the world of football, I don't think we should lose that, you know. And 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 as I said before, um, the type of player he was when he played for us, the, you know, the way he carries himself, the way, he, you know, some of the, you know, you've seen his recent posts on social media. It was It's all about Everton and that young fan, wasn't it? And that just sums him up. So for me, there was nothing really wrong with that. Um, and like I said before, it was, it was a very good finish. And what looked a simple finish, it was a very good finish.
1: I think I think where, where we differ is obviously the everyone who knows me and what have you knows how much I love this and you know that won't go away because like you know you you've put it put it perfectly it seems when he was at the club what he did for the club the fact you know commitment could never have been questioned is was one of the reasons why we stayed in the league he's playing through some pretty pretty sort of. Um, bad injuries at times just to, just to obviously turn out and try and help the cause. And we, we know how much he loved the club, how much he bought into the club. And, and, and like you say, probably now he'd stay, he'd he say he still supports the club. I think, obviously, where I take a little bit of issue with these kind of things is if, like, you know, we're three nil up and he scores one at the end of the game, nope, listen, fine, we're going to win the game, no problem at all. We went one nil downside three minutes, and we're in, the, we're in the bottom three in a relegation fight. That's where I think with some people, and I, and I get it, it sticks. I, I might sit just on, sit on my hands and not do anything because my concern was with one nil down here, we got to sign up. I'll get back into the game here. Let, let's get behind the lads. And I, and I love Richardson, absolutely love him. And I'm happy that you know he's now starts to find some form for them. Spurs is seeing what he's all about. He, he's now starting to get some admiration, and, and rightly so. He's scoring goals for them. He, he's leading the line well, and listen, he looked great on the day. You know, he scored two goals, and his energy. He was he was closing down. You know, whatever Everton the times it would just be a and closing down. Spurs do it as a collective, and he looks he looks as fit as I've ever seen him, um, and he impacted the game so much. But then, I still he still got to think. Well, he's playing for Spurs. He wants to win he's just scored one goal we know he went on to score two goals we then saw the rich and that we knew as well in terms of how often did he did he go down in that second half holding his head or holding, and staying down and you know when there's nothing wrong with him do you know what i mean and we've, we've seen him do that for us in the past and thought this is great you know, he's wasting time and, and what have you and that's, that's the point that i'll i'll make he plays for Spurs. he wants to win the game because if he didn't, he wouldn't do things like that, you know. And and that's where I think sometimes loyalties can can sort of become a little bit blurred and things like that. He's got a job to do. He's doing his job. He's just scored the goal. I'm not interested in 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 that respect at that point. I give him the respect before the game, after the game, whilst the game's ongoing. It's about everything against Spurs, and I couldn't I couldn't give a shit who's wearing the Spurs shirt. I care about what my team are doing. We're in a, in a poor position. You know, might might change given given the fact that the appeal hearing's now be, being done. We should hear very shortly on that. But we're in a really poor position. You know, we, we, we find ourselves in the bottom three. We've got to pick up points because we've got to, we've got to think that this 10-point deduction is going to stay. So I've got no time in that moment to think, I'll give you a little bit of a round of applause there for, for not over-celebrating. Go and celebrate. You've scored a goal. Listen, I'm not asked, you know, and we we know how you feel about the club. But I'm gonna say, if you wanna go and celebrate, like, all this not celebrating against former clubs, I just can't buy into. You've moved on, we've moved on. Whatever the circumstances are behind it, go and enjoy, it. whatever. We'll get on with our job, and our job is to get back in the game. The fact that you scored is, you know, is our problem, and we've got to try and deal with it. And I love. I love Richardson. I love everything that he stands for. Love him what he, what he's all about is as a person. He seems a, a very, very decent person. And, and that was shown many times, I think, during COVID, especially in terms of you know what he was doing for, for his country and his, his his city back home and things like that. Um but I just can't, you know, maybe it's different because I was sitting in the paddock, so he hasn't come over to, to that area to sort of apologize. So people in that moment, once one person does it it leads to the domino effect, isn't it? So I understand why it happened and I really, really do. Just speak, just speaking personally, I just can't buy into it because my concern is not him scoring against us. My concern is, oh shit, we're 1-0 down here inside. and we are in the bottom three of the Premier League. That's my concern. But I think that's I a really good
0: point you've raised there. I think that's a really good point in terms of if you think about it, in, in a goal is a split second thing, isn't it? So he, he's done that and then he and then he's obviously celebrated. Like almost embarrassed that he scored. You know, some people say he almost looked upset. And that, like is it that portion of the crowd he's doing it to, it's not a premeditated thing, is it? Where you're just gonna go, right, I'm premeditating, I'm gonna stand up. I'm glad it's it's like a it's a feeling. It's a feeling, and, and people, some people have just instantly responded to somebody else's gesture. Like I said, they're not sitting there going, well, if Richie scores today, I'm gonna, to, I'm definitely going to stand up and applaud. They wouldn't have done that, would they? They would have. It's an instant, you know, almost dare you say it like an out of body thing where you just kind of go, look, I'm responding to somebody else giving me something. And I think you're right. If you'd have come right over to the corner flag where you were, you know, in the corner there, and 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 did that, there's a chance you may have had that instant reaction of gone, you know, all right, let's get on with the game. I'll do it. And. Um, but at the end of the day, a big thing's been made of it. Some it splits fans down the middle. You know, you've got your opinion, I've got mine, it'll be the same amongst people listening to this now. It doesn't make you you know, you or I or any others a better or a worse fan. And you know, I'm not a fan of people calling people out saying I think there was some people turning around saying, Well, if you stood up and applauded him there, then you spin your season ticket now. Don't bother coming to our our ground. I mean, at the end of the day, people have a right to do whatever they want to do. You know, I mean, obviously unless it's borderline abuse, obviously you know what I mean? So uh, for me, I haven't got time for that. Telling fans how to be other fans. At the end of the day, you know, just because some people might have had a season ticket for forty years and have that opinion of not to applaud, and doesn't make make them a better fan than somebody else who's who's only just come down for one game a season. Does it? you know what I mean? No,
1: but well, like so, it's, it's a, so, as you say, it's it's a spontaneity attached to it. As you say, there was probably no no premeditation. It's they have chosen to show that mutual respect and. And like I say, you know, that has a as a ripple effect through the people in and around that area. And it's easy for me to sit in the paddock away from it and go, what are you doing there? You know, so it, it is easy for me from a distance to go, I wouldn't do that. You, you just really don't know. And, and it's it's one of those situations where, you know, you, you can't tell people how to behave. They're not, they're not behaving in an appalling manner. They've just gone, Oh, listen, that, that's fair enough and I'll give you a little, a little bit, you know, of, Little round of applause. And whether whether I think it's right or wrong, as I say, it could have been different if he was coming over to me. It's easy to pass judgments from a distance, but saying to people, as you say, about you know, give your tickets up and stuff like that, you know, don't don't talk, don't talk nonsense. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just you, you do something in the moment, and people have chosen to do it, and it's it's so it's totally up to them. You know, when we can all pass judgments. You know, we can all be bloody judge and jury and all, and it's easy to say. It's easy to say from a distance. I wouldn't do that, and you know I give him I give him shit in the second half when he was down, bleep uh, old his head and stuff like that, and wasting time. He got shit off me because he, t- he was taking the piss, but he's doing it because he wants his side to win the game. So that's where any kind of love or affection for Everton aren't in his mind at that particular point. You know because he wants to win a game of football in a game in a game that he's you know he scored two goals in. So he got shit and right- and, right- and rightly so. And that's how it should be. By the way, he can still respect somebody and and have a you know. Adoration and affection for him, but in that moment, get off. There's nothing wrong with you. We've we've seen this many times ourselves, and we were right to give him grief at, at that point. Doesn't mean that we can't appreciate him, you know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
0: And, and there'll be people who would, in the Gladys in the Gladys. There'll be, be people in the Gladys there who would have actually stood up and applauded him, and and also given him. Grief when he went down.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I know, I know. But it was was a big talking point, wasn't it? So we think it was important. We brought it up, and obviously you went on and and scored this second goal, which which was a great finish. But I want to just have a little chat around because again, another another major talking point. Was around um and post cocktail having a moan post match, which I thought was hysterical by the way, because Everton found a weak spot and that was their goalkeeper. And Pete, Pete for this, me and Pete spoke before the game in, in the paddock having our usual cup of coffee. Um, and I said, Ab- about Vicario, I said, I don't, and he Pete went, You don't rate him, do you? I said, I said, I don't rate him as hard as others do. I said, I think he's a decent shot stopper. I said, But I said, He I said, he can be got at you know, he said, he's a bit soft. Said, so, I mean, and Everton should have done the homework, and they and did. And they put Harrison in front of him. And Jack Harrison's not big, you know, he, he's not not a big lad to, to get around. You can, you can shift him, you know. Vikaios is a big, tall lad, you can move him, no problem at all. I and mean, we know goalkeepers are overprotected at the best of times, anyway. But all he's done is stand his ground, Harrison. And Vicario reminded me of remember that advert, uh, was it for, for softmans Mr. Soft, walking down the road and all that. That's who reminded me. of when the crosses were coming in, he was all over the place, limbs everywhere, dead, dead fluid. But he's looking for it every single time. Now we we got back into the game, obviously from from a set piece from a corner, comes in, uh, headed back across the goal, and obviously there they was Dom and it flicked off Harrison and, and and goes in. And you know, you have you have managers and and I said this. We, we spoke about the uh, the situation. Um, what game was it where? It was it Sheffield United, where the goal was the goalkeeper was was apparently fouled? No, oh, sorry, Burnley, Burnley, and Burnley. Um, they played. It was a Luton, and Luton scored late on stoppage time, and there was a lot of talk around whether the goalkeeper was fouled. Trafford was fouled in that, and most people would say, yeah, he definitely was, definitely a foul. Now, I I think goalkeepers, even as as someone who played in goal themselves, at a very very low level, by the way, goalkeepers are massively massively overprotected. And I just think at times, because of that, every single time there's any little bit of contact on a the goalkeeper, there's an expectation that a far is going to be given. Now, there's no far from Jack Harrison. You've got a goalkeeper who's six foot five, six foot six. There's no issue. Phys- from a physical perspective, you should not be getting bullied by someone who's, what is he, 5'10", 10, is he five, 11? Not, not even that. So there's, there's the fact that managers come out and post the I lost a little, little bit of respect because. I think his post match comments were, were were pathetic. I think the way that he handled himself post match, he wasn't this, you know, this chirpy Australian then, was he? You know, you know, he's everyone's everyone's mate and all that. You know, we and I think he's been a breath of fresh air, by the way. I think he, since he's come in, I've really enjoyed listening to him. I've really enjoyed the way that Spurs have played, even at times, if it's to their own detriment, i.e. against Chelsea when they had the, the defensive line over the halfway line. It was just just crazy. But I've enjoyed that aspect. But I think when he makes silly comments and he have this, I think the he came ac- across as an entitled manager of an entitled club, and all that happened is Everton did the homework. They saw your goalkeeper was soft, and he was soft. Everton basically with is their advantage, and because problem after problem after problem from corners, from set pieces. I mean, it's no, it's uh, no coincidence by the way. Everton put in in the game twenty four crosses to Spurs eight. There's a reason for that. That's because the goalkeeper's soft as shit.
0: <laughs> Perfectly summed up at the end.
1: <laughs> that's that, that's um, a typical Yeah, um,
0: I, I, I do agree. There was clearly a tactic that we, 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 you know, we were whipping balls under his crossbar. And I, I do agree with you. Goalkeepers get far too much protection. Um, and to be honest, the weird thing is we stopped doing it in the second half. Dice got questioned that after the game, saying it was working so well. Why did you stop it? Because he came for some crosses uh, or corners in the second half and caught them comfortably. And then he was asked, saying, Oh, did you tell him uh, you know, to stop doing it? He goes, No, I think he forgot. Now, whether that's true or not, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one that suddenly something that was working so well, suddenly Harrison stopped doing it, which was bizarre because obviously, you know, he was clearly, we were clearly getting success from it. And, um, you know, it's not just by the way, you know, Vicario who, who who I agree with you has to has to be stronger. You know, almost, you know, throw him out of the way, get out of my way, you're in my space here. But also, it doesn't take a genius or you know, to just say to an, another centre half or another player, say, look, you stand in between me and me and the keeper. You know, you just basically fend him off. So, you know, get another player to basically stand there where Harrison is and then effectively stop him from doing what he was doing. So, you know, it doesn't take a tactical genius to do that. Um, but we look, we, we you know, he made a he made a good save in the first half, didn't he? From Ben Godfrey, um, you know, arguably probably should have scored. It was a good save at his feet. And then Harrison obviously is about a yard out, and you just hoping that he could just put it into the empty net. And he just reacted a bit quicker than Harrison, didn't he? And got got rid of it. Um, but look, ultimately it was working. Uh, it was you know, classic dice if you like. We've been very strong from set pieces. He's clearly imprinted that onto the team this season. We look very threatening. I think we're one of the highest teams and goal-scoring teams in terms of set pieces. Um, and, you know, it seems to be working. And there's nothing genius about it. A lot of the time, they're just whipped into the back post and try and get Tarkovsky's head on it first. And, and, and you know, we nearly scored against, um, uh, what do you call it, didn't we, uh, in, in midweek. against Fulham? midweek when he got his head on it and Beto headed it over. You know, he should have scored, really. So there's nothing, you know, tactical genius about it, trying to, you know, create, you know, three-on-twos on short corners or anything like that. He's just whipping it right in the back stick with a load of pace and dip on it um but look going back to the you know the equalizer for, for, uh, for us you know as soon as Spurs scored they started the stronger team and they have got I've got a couple of mates who are Spurs fans and he was saying we stuck we we've got a real track record of starting halves quickly or starting games quickly and then starting second half quickly and then sort of take almost like other teams then sort of come into the game after that they're seeing a real trend of that and You'd argue that was what happened at um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well, wasn't it? In second half, especially, they started pretty quick, but then after that, we controlled the rest of that second half. And you'd probably say after they scored, we were the better team the first half. Definitely, you know, we just we, we were creating chances, we were pressing really high at the pitch. I liked that, by the way. We weren't just sitting deep; we were having, we were bold. Um, I thought you know James Garner and Idrissa Gay were absolutely outstanding, but particularly Garner, I thought. I'm going to say Garner. I mean uh, Garner Gay. By the way, I thought he was. You know, he'd, he'd flown in from the Afcon. He'd had one training session, and he was outstanding in that match. Everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Spurs are very strong in midfield. You know, I, as, as as I said before, I, I was um, giving plaudits to Madison, who was picking up dangerous spaces in, in you know in between the lines. He was creating all sorts of problems. But Adrissa Gay was everywhere. He really was. And not only that, I've said it a million times, he reads the game so well, he tackles so cleanly, you know, uh, the only thing is, I I just wish he could shoot, Mike, because if he could shoot, he'd be the complete midfielder. His shooting is absolutely awful, isn't it? Um, There was a bit where we won it back high up the pitch again. I think it was him that won it back, wasn't it? He intercepted a pass, and then he's, he's, you know, obviously suddenly faced with three on two against their centre-halves, and he's dragged, okay, the defender got back, back to him, or the midfielder got back to him, but he just has to lay that into Calvert Lewin's path. And then we've got a one on one. You know, the last thing you want is Adris Aguay shooting from there. Uh, and obviously, you know, with the help help of a, a defensive uh, Nick, it took it well wide, but it was going well wide anyway, let's be honest. Um, you know, if he could finish, like I said, he, he would be an absolute, you know, complete midfielder. But, but, but that, if there's a weakness to his game, his shooting's absolutely dreadful. Um, but overall, his, his performance was unbelievable. I mean, you, you know, some of the stats from that. Um, I think he, he'd he had the most tackles and ball recoveries um, in, a, in a game since 2018 in the Premier League, which was previously him, which yeah. tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Absolutely unbelievable when you think about that. I mean, it's just, that is just unbelievable in terms of, I think you've got the stats there, haven't you? Didn't you pull them up? Was it something like eight plus tackles and six interceptions or something like that?
1: Yeah, you've you've got me now because I just I thought I'd be screaming for, but I will I will get this because as as you say it does go back to him himself. He's the one who sets you yeah. set the uh, the the previous record, which shows you you know what what he's all about. You know, and and I think you know having him and James Garner in that midfield, the, the two of them just just massively complemented each other. I thought on on a on a brilliant a brilliant scale. You know, you've got. Two players who are absolutely full of energy, you know, and and I think sometimes I look around. I said to you before we recorded, didn't I? I look around the um, other players in the side, and I think if you had half of the energy that he's got and that that will to want to win the ball back, you know, we we'd, you'd be you'd be a much more effective player. But I the two of them, we, just... we've
0: missed him, right? We've missed him, haven't we? Let's have it right. We've missed him, um, whether we like it or not. I think Everton are a better side with him in the side. And he's 35 now. He's showing no signs of slowing down. He's obviously clearly looked after himself. You know, if you look at those numbers, most possessions won 16.
1: Yeah.
0: Most duels won 12. Most tackles eight. Most interceptions that's his reading of the game, which is brilliant six. Most possession won in the final third six. I mean, that's incredible stats for his position there. And,
1: and also, just to throw in a, a pass accuracy of eighty-eight percent. Now, that's not his, his real strong points, and that, that's pretty, that's pretty a pretty high figure, isn't it? Really,
0: very much so, mate. Yeah, isn't it? Well, you know what are you doing when you win it back? You know what are you doing with it? And he's keeping it, isn't he? So, yeah, at complete midfield performance. Other than obviously the shot he had, which was, uh, you know, let's not talk about that. But um, I just think you know, complete midfield performance, outstanding. And and it's an interesting dilemma now. So Onana was missing with a bit of fluid on his knee. Hopefully, he'll be. He'll be back, and then obviously De out for a little bit longer, by the looks of it. So I was chatting with um, I can't remember who it was actually on 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 social media about um, you know we've got that th- we've got that three there in midfield now with, th- with those three players, you know with the out and Gomez out as well, who's who's starting to have an impact and affecting games when he came in in that ten position. You know, do we go with you know James Garner Onana? In your six and your eight. And then you just say to address again, look, you've almost got a free role playing ahead of those two. You just go around and do what you do well, push high up the pitch and press press the defensive mids, press the center halves, you know. And look, he's not he hasn't got that sort of craft and guile I was talking about before to slide people in. But he, you know, he'll create chances just purely by winning the ball so high up the pitch. You know, it'd be interesting to see what Dice does there now, because if all three of them are fit. And the others are out. Like Deco- suddenly he's got a problem, hasn't he? You know how's he going to play that? And the beauty of that is, you know, we can tailor that depending who we play. Look, we've got City at the weekend. We're clearly not going to have anywhere near as many chances in the game. Uh, well, very unlikely compared to Spurs. So you know he'll probably go with Onana, Garner, and Garner, won't he, in that game? And you know the likelihood is we'll, we'll be asked to sort of you know fill the spaces in the middle of the pitch, and when we break, try and break at the right times. You know as, as it is every time you play City. But the point is, you've then got a winnable game after that against Palace. You know, if core is still out and Gomez is still out, do you say to him, "Look, push higher up, you know, almost where Dom is, and then try and try and win the ball high at the pitch"?
1: I think I think what he gives you, yeah. you know, obviously you saw about the three midfielders there, so Onana, Garner and, and Garner Gay, and you know, you could argue that you know you could put James Garner in as a number ten with his, his energy. You know, we can you can replicate Decore, and technically he's probably a better a better technician in terms of his shooting. But, you know, Decore, is, is, he always seems to find himself on the spot, doesn't he? You know, he's always in and around the box and, and you know, sometimes putting the ball in from a few yards out. You know, so that's what I think Garner Gay and, and James Garner, if they're asked to play in that particular role, that's what they've got to try and do. But from an energy um, perspective, the two of them can certainly replicate that. And it can, can be can be a pain, you know, playing off Dominic calvert Lewin putting the center half under pressure in the right moments, when it goes to the full-backs, you know, we need, if you can shut them down, shut them down, and, and they, they, they're both, you know, they're both very, very fit individuals, and it showed, you know, late, late on when we're, we're fighting to win the ball back, and obviously in the end get that free kick you know, the two of them are, are, are pivotal to that, aren't they? They're just working, working all the way through, sometimes, you know, things don't come off, sometimes, obviously, passes aren't made, but in terms of the, the the guile and and the will to want to get that ball back, the two of them I thought were absolutely, you know, terrific on on the day. And like I say, you know, it does then lead to turning the ball over, winning a free kick. Um, obviously, in the end, Jared Bransby puts the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but you know, before we, we we round off the chat about the Spurs game, you know, people moaned at me last week about when I, I mentioned that there to mention the, the poor officiating in, in the Luton game. And it had to be highlighted because yet again it was horrendous. Now, the Michael Oliver obviously was referee at the weekend. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I, I think he actually did okay. I thought early on. And although probably up until maybe fifty-five, sixty minutes, he was all right. And all of a sudden he just sort of lost his head. And you know, he, he started to, to to be the arrogant self that that he is. And he, the the two incidents obviously that springs to mind, and those Spurs fans will will point to Ben Godfrey who was on a yellow card and then should have been booked for diving. Which listen, I'm I'm not averse to that, I, you know, and we couldn't have moaned if he got a second yellow card. But in terms of the Beto incidents, I've got my thoughts on the two of them. What's your take on them? Lee, obviously the first one was the one that was in the box, wasn't it, looking for a penalty, uh, and the second one was the one where he was taken out on the on the edge of the box, just outside. What are your thoughts? Do you think both were fouls? Do you think one was foul? What, what's your take on them?
0: Well, the lad who came on looked like an absolute psychopath anyway, didn't he? This uh, Dragozin or whatever his name is. Um, it's like a
1: prop forward, you know, was For him, It's like a prop forward, bonnie he? he, he, he was, yeah, him, yeah. I think he was. I think he agent. probably
0: thought he was. I think he probably thought he was playing egg chasing. Do you know what I mean? I think it literally... He came on and, you know, I think he was clearly brought on in response to Beto, by the way, wasn't it? Because obviously Beto was... You know, we know his physicality, and, and it causes causes defenders problems. Um, and I think, you know, Andrew's literally come on and said, like, look, I'm going to bring him on to try and handle this fella. And instantly, he made, that ball was flipped in behind. He, you know, was in was in a foot race for it with uh, that van de Ven, who, by the way, was outstanding yesterday.
1: Great, great, sensor, um, great sensor,
0: Unbelievable. Off. You know, a little bit older than bramthway, You know, real, real talent. I mean... There was there was one one moment in the second half quickly digressing here where the ball was a great I think it was Godfrey that flipped it in behind him because they've got a high line. And it was a perfect perfect run from um um was it Harrison, I think, who got in. And he, you know, Harrison's no slouch, you know, and mm. and, and, and suddenly you're thinking he's in here, he's in here. And against most centre halves he would probably be in and having a shot. Then out of nowhere, this like you know, this, the centre centre back comes out of nowhere and gets across him. How the hell's he made that ground up? You know, he's almost like a hundred meter uh, runner. One, he's a sprinter, just like outstanding. His recovery pace was, you know, probably on par with Godfrey, isn't it? In terms of speed, I'd love to see a race between them two. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's he, he was he was alongside probably Madison and Richarlison, their best player. Um, and you know, he, he made a he's made a massive difference to them since he's come in the side. Um, but yeah, they brought this draggers in, and and, and and like I said, the ball was flipped in behind it's a foot race and out of nowhere, he, just, he completely not even pl- having any attention on the ball whatsoever, is he? Cause he knows Van der Ven's covering, or was it Romero covering one of the two? And he just literally just completely, hit, you know, barged him barged him off the ball. Not even off the ball, sorry. Like, you know, literally the ball's like 20 yards or 15 yards away. And how, how the, I mean, I like, don't get me wrong. I don't think it was a penalty. It was outside the box for a start. But the point is there was no intention there to play the ball, was there? absolutely zero intention. And he just waved it away. Now, look, there was a bit of an element of shoulders-to-shoulder in it, but that only comes into it is if they're both, you know, say if Beto's nudged the ball ahead of him and then it's a strength, it's a strength contest. Now, look, you'd want your centre-forward center to be a little bit stronger, especially if that's his game. Don't get me wrong, but the ball was nowhere to be seen. It was clearly, like, it was, it was obstruction, if anything else, then, if you're going to say that, because there's no intention of you playing the ball. And, you know, a referee of, of Oliver's Experience, capability, and in inverted commas, like should be should be all over that. You should be able to see that. And 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 look, he would have blown for a free kick. It wasn't a penalty. Uh, and then he compounded it with another very similar decision a few minutes later, didn't he? Uh, again, the same player involved again, against the same player. So I just felt, yeah. I mean, I thought Simon Hooper had a, a, a dreadful game last week. I know, like you said, some people have called that out, saying, you know. You know, we shouldn't be concentrating on that. But you, you end up having to talk about it because we record a podcast every week and it's becoming more and more prevalent that we end up talking about the officiating. And, and you know, we shouldn't have to, but at the end of the day, if it's part of the game, then it's part of the game because you shouldn't, you know, the famous old saying, you shouldn't, you know, the referees had a good game when you don't have to talk about them. Well, obviously we've had to talk about them. And you know, Simon Hooper, I didn't think his performance could be top last week for some of the howlers he made. And then obviously it has been in the second half over the weekend. Um, from Oliver. So yeah. And I think to be honest, Mike, you obviously you and Pete go to every game. I can't make every home game. I go to the majority, but I can't make every one for, for family reasons or whatever. But but you know, it is a different experience when you go to the game, definitely compared to obviously watching it like I was at the weekend on on Sky. It's a very different um uh, you know how you view the referee do you know what I mean because obviously you get to see the feel of the stadium the feel of the crowd um, and the, the commentators I mean I, I love Ali McCoy she's probably the best co-commentator out there but they kind of brushed that over those two two incidents as if it was like nothing and when you are, when you are at the game and the crowd's up for it and you see it it's a very different experience isn't it compared to watching it on TV
1: yeah, it is, and obviously the, the the first one, which which wasn't it wasn't a penalty. Um, I think that that came before the one that was outside the box, from, from my recollection. Um, and it wasn't a penalty. You know, if we get that given against us, I'll be absolutely livid. By the way, I don't think better helped himself. By the way, by the way, he went down, mm-hmm. but I think that then played into the mind of the referee for the second one because he just thinks, oh, you know, he he's he's theatrical. He's thrown himself onto the floor, and and that was that was the problem. I think. You've got to referee decisions based on, on their own merits. And the referees sometimes are being, well, as we know, it's happened over, many times over the years, get impacted by the crowd. And it's almost like with Michael Oliver. As I said, he's got this arrogance about him. And the way, the way he sorted off the pitch at the end as well, he was obviously getting dogs abused in the way he just, so arrogant the way that he just walks away. He's got this swagger about him. And he's just not a likeable character, you know. And, and that's that's the thing, when you carry yourself in a certain way, Mark Clattenburg used to be the same, you know. They have this thing about them, um, and and that's what fans just literally, as soon as then something doesn't go the way it should go, this is, it. Then sits it sits on your mind, and as as you know, as fans they, we've had this discussion over the last few weeks, the, the match going experience has gone. You know, in terms of, you don't trust the officials to make the right decisions on the pitch. Because you know that they rely on VAR in that situation. Anyway, VAR can't can't intervene because it's a it's a free kick situation, so they wouldn't even get involved with it. And then you, and then when you go to VAR, you don't trust them to make the right decision. I mean, you look at our second goal. Why did he take so long to try and decide if it was offside? It Clearly, wasn't offside. You know, Brantick wasn't offside. Coleman didn't even touch the ball anyway. Um, now I know he was pretty close to to Ramirez. We flicked it on, but it's you're almost looking to find something to disallow the goal for. That's, that's what you you find yourself feeling. Now, it was a 93rd, 94th minute equaliser. You know, it should have been an absolute bedlam. And, it, you know, it wasn't bad. You look at the at the, the limbs in the grass streets and what have you. But then straight away, we say it all the time. In your mind, you think, what are we going to look for here? Is this going to go to VAR? And you knew it's going to VAR. So you celebrate. The players celebrate. You go back to halfway and you sta- you're standing there waiting watching the referee then. And the players like, you know, Let's get on, buddy. You know this is this is this is the problem. But it was
0: um, it was. I totally agree to with re- that. By the way, it's slightly different for you know. It's a, it's a horrible experience in the ground. It really is. It's horrible. You know, I've spoken to a few Leeds and Leicester fans in the last few weeks, and obviously they don't have VAR in the championship. And every single one of them has said the same thing. It's liberating not having VAR in 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 when you go to the game. You know, purely because you know, you can celebrate it it's that instant you know instant feeling you get with a goal the limbs everything you're not worried about all oh, right we're going to have to you know mute our celebration here because we know it's it's going to be it's going to be reviewed you know the only time you know you can instantly celebrate a goal is if it's like a penalty or someone scores from 30 yards you know what I mean because then you know it's not going to get overturned but anything that involves a pass that's a tight decision or you know in this case a cross you know, what they were reviewing were, on. you know, you wouldn't have seen it because you were at the game. They were reviewing the initial cross from James Garner on the free kit to see if he was offside. Now, in the end, when, you, when they were looking at the line, it was very tight at that position. But then, obviously, the, first, the header comes off Romero, doesn't it, who ends up flicking on. So it's like almost a second phase. Um, and, you know, in the end, the right decision was made. But to be honest, when I was looking at it first time, I was just thinking, the way this is going right now, you know, and and all and all the things that are going on against our football club right now. You're almost sitting there going, they're going to disallow this.
1: Mm.
0: They're going to disallow this, and in the end they didn't, thank God. Um, You know, you had echoes of the whole Cavalouin sitting on the floor, wasn't it? Uh, sorry, Sigurdsson, sorry, sitting on the floor, and getting the winner disallowed against United type scenario all over again. Um, but the soon you know, we've talked about it a million times, the VAR thing. You know, for me, they just need to get rid of it. Full stop. It's destroying. Instant, you know, the, the feelings, the celebrations, the limbs, everything you get from a goal at a game, you know, it's, it's it's just killing, it's killing it. It's killing that instantaneous reaction you get, that, you know, that euphoria you get when you go to a match. And that's what we, you know, that's what all of us love about going to the game. It's as simple and straightforward as that. Whether they do that now because it's so far down the line is another matter. But the main thing is the goal was given and rightly so and happy for Bramfway. You know, he followed it in, and and it was you know in the end it was he was he knew he was going to get classed, but he got that vital touch on it. Um, and, and like I said at the very start, I think in the end you you know a point so you'd certainly take a point, obviously going into injury time because let's be fair, as, as good as we were in the first half, Spurs sort of controlled it better in the second half. We were carrying a lot less of a threat in the second half. Um, although I thought, and yeah, I want to want to ask you on this quickly as well. I thought. I thought both subs subs had an impact. If if you know, we've called Dysh out recently a few times on the podcast, saying he doesn't make enough changes. He doesn't make them early enough to allow the subs to have an impact. Clearly, when we're carrying legs, some of the players are obviously struggling. For you know, in the latter half of games, and I thought you know those subs made a difference, particularly Chimiti and Dobbin, who came on. You know, there was a chance there that Dobbin created for Chimiti. In the end, I think he was offside. And, you know, he probably could have sucked a touch. He had a bit more time than he thought. But I think they made a bit of an impact when they came on, didn't they? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so?
1: Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting
0: Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to
1: 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They did. I mean, they were still pretty late in the day. You know, obviously, Seamus Coleman came on because of uh, Godfrey had cramped he? in the end. So it was not, not an injury, uh, but he didn't want to take a chance. So so brought on Seamus Coleman, but we're always happy to see, aren't we? You know, and we know what we get with Seamus. And his reaction by the goal, by the way, to the to the equaliser was, was absolutely yes uh, tremendous, wasn't it? Right in there in Romero's yeah. face. You know, and that, that that's what we love to see is is that that passion. Uh, but Chimity and Beto obviously were a little bit later on. Timiti first, by the way, which I was again, I was speaking to Pete before the game and said that you know he's got to look to rotate and maybe bring him on first sometimes, which he did do. Had a great chance, great lovely ball from Lewis Dobbin from the uh, left hand side, and he's flicked at it with his right foot, hasn't he? And almost taking the pace off it, you know, by by doing that. Easier said than done, I know, but it was it was a good, good opportunity, you know, to to, to grab his his first goal there for the club. And um, you know, he he'll learn it was a lovely, lovely run, lovely spot from Dobbin. So it was nice to see the two, the two young lads combining, and obviously we discussed already better had an impact he was causing problems for the the two the two the two centre halves there. So I, th- I think that all in all they were the, they were good subs to make. They were the right subs to make He's almost dice is almost thought, right? We'll get to 80. And it was still, you know, if it's two one, then we'll 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 change it then and and have, and have a real good go. And and to be fair, we did. You know, we we had we had a go. We were causing a few problems, you know, getting a few set pieces, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the pressure the pressure told, didn't it? Um and great to see Brantway get his first his first goal of the season, first goal good St park as well. Richly really deserved, you know, his performances this season. They've been absolutely terrific. You know, he's he's come in, and when he got that that first start against Wolves, wasn't he? After a couple of games of Michael Keane, he hasn't hasn't looked back. And bad the odd the odd mistake, which every single player makes, by the way. Um, he he's been he's been fantastic, and and it's been it's been great to see him develop. So lovely for him to get a goal, a great moment. But like we've already said, you know, the as uh, as Kevin Peterson once said about uh, Andy Flower, he's a mood hoover. VAR is a mood hoover and it needs to be removed from football for the good of football because it's absolutely killing things. Our first goal went to VAR as well because, because Vicario, as I say, was like Mr Whippy, soft as anything. So it's just, it it's a joke, you know, and, and let, let's get away from it. Let, let's get back to enjoying football and going to a game and, and living in, in the moments for those moments, having the spontaneity, having the raw emotion because this, this VAR is an absolute, just kills everything.
0: I think Moodoo was a great comment, to be fair, and I think it's very, very apt, isn't it? Very apt for that, for that what, it, what it brings to the game. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion, Mike, just quickly before we uh, go on to the next segment, but I just wanted to get your opinion on, on another really good performance from Ben Godfrey coming in at right-back. You know, Ben's, you know, by all accounts, the manager said he's been a model professional while not being able to get in the side. He's looked after himself. He didn't seem the same player at all last season. You know, when he came in, a lot of people were saying he obviously suffered from long COVID. He definitely lost. And I think you called it on one of our pods saying he definitely looked like he'd lost a yard or two, which is obviously what he, what he was known for, that that explosive pace. He looks like he's got that back now. And I thought he was at right back yesterday. Again, look, another position that's, you know, at the end of the day, not his actual favoured position. You know, he's played left back, he's played right back, he's a centre-half. You know, there's some that you could argue to say that he's probably been a better fullback for us at Everton than he has been a centre centre back. But I thought yesterday, uh, sorry, on Saturday, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He was, he was, he, you know, his, his athleticism again. He got back on the back post like he did against Fulham. You know, prevented a chance on the back stick. I thought, you know, um, he marshalled there. Uh, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, Werner really well, didn't he, Timo Werner, who started his career pretty well at Spurs. The fans have taken too much Spurs. We all know Werner's quick. Yes, he lacks that killer instinct, but he, you know, very rarely he got the better of Ben, of ben Godfrey in that in that encounter. And um, I thought again he was absolutely outstanding. Um, so to just get your opinion on on his performance, and also again, I thought Jack Harrison had a really good game again. Um, you know, he, he got dogs abuse in the game against Luton, certainly in the first half from some quarters of the ground. He ended up going on getting a goal in that game, um, and I think. You know, know, there's rumours saying that that from what what we've heard or what I've heard is that, you know, he's loving it at the club. He's settled in. He's one of the squad. The the players like working with him. The manager clearly likes him. He picks him every week. Um, I don't think you can question his work rate. I think his work rate is phenomenal. I think he's very good technically. I think sometimes he tends to run with his head down a little bit. That's the bit that frustrates fans, I think, because he holds on to the ball a bit too long and his decision making could probably be a bit sharper. Well, the rumours are that the reported fee would be in and around the 12 million how accurate that is i don't know but it'd be interesting what you think based on you know his numbers so far um and obviously he got given that goal at the weekend which was unfortunate for Dom, but i i i i'd i'd, I'd have him all day me I, I i i think i know like i said some fans haven't taken to him but i think you know he's a good age um i think he i think he, he has a lot to offer and i think you, you know, you, like I said, his performances have been better than some people have said, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, just go- going back to Godfrey, it, it's been nice to see him get a, get a couple of games and, and perform well in a couple of games. You know, we, he does look that little bit quicker, like, like maybe a little bit of pace, as he's say, and because we've discussed it many times in terms of what, what he went through. Um, so it's, be, it's been good to see his, his re-emergence. And we've always said, haven't we, that his best position for Everton has been, as a fullback. As opposed to a centre half. He plays better in a three, you'd argue when we play three at the back. But as a as a full back, he's always played well under Carlo Ancelotti. That was his best, his best spell. Um, so great to see him, to see him perform well, got a great reception as he was walking around the pitch, obviously, with him, with him going off with a bit of cramp. Um, so we've done himself you know no harm at all. And and let's just say, you know, by all accounts from what we've heard, hasn't kicked off a moan that he's not being played, been disappointed, but hasn't kicked up any kind of fuss. As been knocking down a manager's door and you know demanding moves and things like that and up upsetting the apple cart and you know causing uh, eruptions in inside the uh, you know inside Finch Farm. So you've got to applaud him for that. He's kept his head down. He's waited for his chance. He's come in. He's took his chance. So assuming he's good to go against Man City, we saw where he, he performed against Harlan last season. You know, so I'd have him in there against City as well at the weekend. You know, he deserves. If, if you come in and you play well, you keep your spot. It should be as simple as that. It's it's all that's what it's all about, competition. So for me, it should be starting against City and, and great, you know, great to see him, you know, coming back and, and performing. And Jack Harrison's a funny one, you know. I think you can never question his work rate. Right? You know, he, he's one of those always buzzing around, obviously being asked to play as a number ten. Um at times he, he's infuriating in the fact that he, he needs to give the ball a little bit quicker, but then other times, you know, he's got really quick feet and he gives the ball and, and he looks great doing so. So there's certainly a player there. Um, you know, and, and I think he, he there's always some some kind of whipping boy, isn't there? And he's just one of them at the moment between him and and, and Unani, they're the two who sort of stand out in terms of the the uh, the comments that you hear uh, at, at the match at the match itself. But you know, he's done a good job. You know, the, his, his stats speak for themselves. Uh, he's come and he scored a few goals. He, he set up, obviously, got a few assists as well. So you know, what you see is what you get. He's an honest player. Um, he's probably right for the side we've got at the moment. Whether we make it payments depends on, on a lot of things, of course. If it's twelve million pound potentially, you know, it all depends what happens with obviously this ownership situation and the finances in the summer. But you know, he's he's done he's done pretty well since he came in, as well. I'd say, and you know, he's done about as much as I I thought he would do. You know, without setting setting the world alight, I think he's done pretty well. Certainly not one of our worst performers, as as many would, would have you believe. Um, but Wait, Twelve million done. quid right now. Would you have him if that was available and we had the money? Um, probably for that price, yeah. I wouldn't be going any, any, you know, any higher than that. I think that's probably a fair reflection. You know, if that gets you sort of, I don't know, five goals, seven, eight assists, then I'd probably go okay, fair enough. You know, he's what's what's he scored? He's on, he's on four goals so far this season. I've seen him score three at Goodison. Um, You know, obviously the one the weekend should have really been Dom's stupid rule. That one, the fact is, he's literally glanced one of his leg hairs and gone in. Um, but you know, he's he's certainly you know we saw the goal against Bournemouth, what a goal that was. He's technically a very good player. Um, so you know, he's got a decent delivery. So you know, for that price, yeah, you'd say you'd say you 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 go for it. But obviously, if you start getting up up to it in around twenty, you'd probably say no because the, the value just isn't there. But I think he's done pretty well. It's probably the best the best uh, I could I could say at this point. But still, going to I'd the agree goal. with
0: that. I'd agree with that. And I think he's done better than some people in some quarters are giving him credit for. Like I said, he has become a bit of a whipping boy. What I, what I did like particularly about him is is obviously in the first half of the game of the other week, when he got his goal. First half, he got absolutely, like I said, dog's abuse. But he didn't hide, did he? Didn't hide. Now, a lot of players, we've seen it over the years, particularly like Sigurdsson's people. Sigurdsson fell into that category, didn't it? One minute, he's obviously like, how's he done that? He's just scored a worldie. And the next minute you're thinking, well, how's he in the side? He's not, he's walking around the pitch. You know what I mean? So, and and then obviously if fans got on the back of Sigurdsson, you know, uh, he, a lot of the time he would go missing, wouldn't he? He wouldn't ask for the ball. Whereas, you know, you, you certainly can't accuse Harrison of that he never goes hiding. He asks it all the time. And, you know, like I said, look, he, is he the finished article by like far from it? But if you look at it in in a team this, this season, like, on the whole, certainly in the last few weeks, we've we've struggled to score goals. He does look one of our main goal threats, and he's shown that. You know, whether that is a nick off his leg hair or not, it'll go down as his goal. And he obviously scored the other week as well, didn't he? So he's you know he's, he's you know we're a team that's been very very solid at the back recently, and we're just not you know doing enough going the other way. We're certainly creating enough chances, by the way. You know, the stats will tell you that. We're due to we're due to hammer someone at some point. It will click. Because we are starting to create chances again and we did that at the weekend. But he's certainly one of our main goal threats going the other way. And I think, you know, hopefully some fans will see that. And we you know, like I say all and all all the time, we you know, there always seems to be a whipping boy. We we need to get behind the players. We're in a tight spot right now. You know, I'm hoping, you know, and we don't know what the rumours are yet that we will get those points back. I'm still convinced we should get them all back. Whether we do or not, I don't know. There's different rumours flying around, or whatever. But um you know, on that front, by the way, Super Silk himself was there at the game. When he, he looked, um, he looked more than happy with himself with some of the pictures that were doing the rounds. Um, no doubt, fans were asking him how it went. He's obviously legally probably can't say anything. But what I will say is, you know, him turning up there, being amongst the crowd, and that photos being taken. You know, would he be there if it absolutely went horrendously? We don't know, do we?
1: No. Nah, listen, it's probably just the fact that it's coming to an end, and Everton had already said some. Listen, obviously, it's a three-day hearing. The, as our as our guest on the Saturday we're playing Tottenham, you know, it could be a Spurs fan for all, but you know, no wonder he was smiling, given the form that they they were in. Um, but that's just the ever so you know, me, you know, always thinking the worst. I, I think you know you, you see things, you hear things. The club think it's gone well, you know, they probably think, thought thought it went well in the in the in the first year, and so you, you take it all with a pinch of salt. We're going to be in the next probably ten days or so, aren't we? How, how well it's gone, um, I think. A lot of thought is we're going to, you know, look at getting half the points back. You know, we've had this argument, this discussion around what we think is fair. Obviously, ten points certainly wasn't fair. We don't think any points was fair, but you know, let's see what happens. It. I don't. I don't think sort of, you know, we, we look at it and we, and we, and we guess and, and and we you know we think oh so and so said this. We, we don't know unless the Premier League leak it, which they which are very very good at doing, by the way, as as we all know. And he start leaking various things before hearings and before appeal hearings, as we've seen, we've seen in the week. You know, don't believe anything at all. So just wait for it. It's hard, you know, it's been such a such a drag on it this season. And, you know, it's taken away from how well the players and the minds have actually done. Let's not forget that. Um, and we know we've got the second charge hanging over us as well. But you know, fingers crossed, Superstoke's done the done the job and he's and he's torn them apart. And, you know, from a, we've got a proper legal professional on the case here. So hopefully, hopefully, you know it goes our way. But let's have a quick chat before we finish off. You know, ahead looking ahead to the, to the Man City game, obviously the, the most difficult place to go in the Premier League is Nick going to the Etihad. You know, they, they've got players returned from injury. The Bruyne has come back and looks looks tremendous. You know, with with those flowing locks as well, looks even better. Um, Harlan, just on 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 his on his way back. You know, he's he's obviously recording. On a Monday, he should be he should be playing tonight potentially. Although Lee, as a fantasy football expert, you're telling me that there's rumours he might not be playing. So his first game back will be against Everton, and he probably scores seven. Um, but it's a game, isn't it? Where you, it's so hard to predict from our perspective because if you come away with anything, you're happy with with the points. With obviously with three points, we said in the reverse fixture. The difference between the sides is astronomical. And it shouldn't be that way in the same league, in my opinion. This is what the whole thing around, you know, the the competitive nature of the Premier League just not being there. It's night and day between the two sides. But the most difficult of difficult away games, isn't it?
0: Yeah, mate. We were both at the game at home, uh, which wasn't that long ago, against them. And the way they play football, it's very impressive to watch. Of course it is. And, you know, know, he has... um, a very a very effective way of playing football. Pep Guardiola, he's you know arguably the greatest manager his generation. If you look at all the titles he's won in different leagues, using that you know Johan Cruyff if you like um, methodology of, of, of playing football, and it, you know it, it suffocates teams, and it, it's never great to watch as an opposition um, fan. It must be even worse as an opposition player playing against it because it's so. It's so organized, it's so regimented, it's so like patterns of players so nailed into team, you know, the players. They know where the ball's going before it even arrives at their feet. They know where the next pass is going, if you like. It's it's incredible, really. And you combine that then with the ability to sign any single player they want. You know, they've been linked in the athletic today with with Kimmich in the summer now. I mean, you know what I mean? It's it's just absolutely they can basically sign whoever they want. It's it's absolutely bonkers. Will they will they eventually get you know, sitting in front of a judge and jury regarding it, maybe, maybe not. We just won't know, do we? But ultimately Man City are, for me, streaks ahead of of the, any team in the league. They've not been at their fluent best this season. But we know what they're like in second half of seasons. You know, we say they've not been at their fluent best. They've won nine out of the last ten games. They've won nine on the bounce in all comps, straight um you know and the, the draw they did have against palace was was a last minute equalizer as well wasn't it when when they absolutely battered palace and could have scored 3 or 4 um and in the end it finished 2-2 so they're an incredible side de bruyne and Haaland, as you just said who's been missing for big parts of the season have now come back in the team um arguably certainly de bruyne for me is let's be honest is probably the best player in the league outstanding footballer um, and then you've got Haaland who you know his record last season was broke all the records with regards to the Premier League um look football did exist before the Premier League um so he didn't break uh, you know Dixie Dean's record let's have that right but um it was still absolutely ridiculous uh, the numbers he was putting up last season and i imagine he'll come straight in the team tonight against Brentford Brentford have had a little bit of a turn in form with Tony coming back but you'd imagine City would 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 have, a 10th win tonight, and that would be 10 on the spin before they come and play us, um, or before we go and play them, sorry, at the weekend. So it will be a very, very tough game. And I want to say this. Now, I do think fans need, us as all fans, and I I categorise ourselves in this as well, need to not panic uh, at the weekend. You know, the likelihood is City will turn us over because they're so bloody good. And Luton have had an upturn in form again, scored four again at the weekend away at Newcastle. Luckily, Newcastle came back into it, but they're clearly riding a wave, Luton, at the minute. They've been riding a wave ever since we've lost our points, which is more than a coincidence. But, um, you know, Luton are playing Sheffield United at home, who are arguably the worst team in the league right now. And the likelihood is they'll win that game. Um, So they will pull a little bit clear of us. The important thing is, is that we we stay calm in that situation. Um, because obviously I I do think Forest will be down there I do think there's an outside chance Um, you may even have Brentford and Palace still knocking about there as well Um, so it's not just as if it's Luton and us and that's it, obviously we've got waiting for these points to come back, hopefully we'll get some of them back like you said before but the important thing is as a fan base and I'm sure you'll agree with this we have to stay calm You know, we have got some, our home form this season hasn't been the best, our away form is up there with some of the best teams in the league I do think we can address that home form. We're starting too slowly. We've had two good draws recently against Villa and Spurs are two good sides. But we've also got some really winnable home games between now and the end of the season. We've got Palace to play at home. We've got Forest to play at home. We've got Sheffield United to play at home. You know, We've got some really winnable games there. Now, that doesn't mean we've got a divine right to win those games, by the way. But going back to my original point, it's very unlikely we will get something against City. And that's not being defeatist, it is. And they've got a very winnable home game, haven't they?
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, and like you say, you know, it's hard. Obviously, you're living week by week again, aren't you? And, you know, I found myself on Saturday. I come in with a smile on my face. Obviously, 2-all. done, done really well to get back and, and get a point after going behind twice. And then, obviously, you, 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 your mind and your focus switches. Luton were playing away at Newcastle. Obviously, at one point, they go 4-2 up. And, you, you, you know, you're thinking the worst. Um, and then you look on a Forest yesterday. Um so you know it's it's one of those where it, it's hard to sort of just so look at everything and then not get distracted by other results, but there's still a long way to go. And as I say, you know, we've got this appeal ongoing and you know who knows, maybe maybe something comes out this week. You know, it, they said by the middle of February, so we're not too far, we'll be too far from that. Um, slightly shorter month. But let's let's hope it's sooner rather than later, and then we know exactly where we are going forward. Um but yeah, you know we've got we've got plenty of games that are winnable between now and the end of the season. Even if you look at, look at some of the away games as well, there's, there's still plenty of winnable games there. And we know how good we are away from home. You know, going to Brighton doesn't scare us anymore. We showed we showed that last season. You know, going to Chelsea isn't like going to Chelsea under Jose Marino or even Chelsea of you know two or three years ago. So this it, the league and then the games that we've got left, plenty of winnable games. I don't fear Liverpool coming to Goodison Park. I couldn't give a shit about it being Klopp's last Merseyside, Derby. It's going to be moved to a midweek, no doubt, because they'll probably be in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup on Derby weekend. So it's going to be shifted to midweek. Absolutely fine. Listen, the, these games are good as some park. Any game that we have between now and the end of the season is a winnable game. You know, there's plenty of them. And on the on the road, you know, City, we know really, really difficult. That's 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 the toughest of them all. Arsenal is the last game of the season, of course. But the rest of them, they're all winnable games, you know, and we've proven this season we can go on the road, we can beat decent sides, we can beat decent sides at Goodison Park as well. We've shown that. So no, listen, no no problem, don't get don't carried away with it all. But City's difficult, of course, like like you said, it's so hard going there. We got a point last season through a great DMV goal, absolute, absolute cracker in the second half. If we come away with a point then fantastic you know but it's not a game for you know if the core is just about ready don't i wouldn't even throw him in like we've discussed there's other options there james garner garner gay is a number 10 potentially put them in there um so any players who are sort of on the periphery and potentially close don't just don't throw them in you know Onana again if, if he's close give him another week because we, we're not playing forest until the following monday we've got a good nine days between City and, and, and Palace, sorry. Um so let's not let's not rush these players back in, but it's gonna be a, it, might be a game where we go five at the back, I think we did last season. Ben Godfrey was a third centre half. Maybe Sean Dice reverts to that and just go right. Sit in, lads. You know, a lot lot of work for Dom up top, and it always is. Um, and then just just see if we can try and hit them on the counter, which we did last season and scored a great goal. So let's see. But what are your thoughts, Lee prediction wise?
0: Um like I said before, you don't want to be defeated. City are heavy, heavy favourites, like they are in pretty much every game they go into. The thing, to, the, the other thing to remember is they've got the next round of the Champions League a couple of days after playing us, haven't they? So, and I believe, I think it's an away game. I think. I mean, it, look, they're playing a the Mickey Mouse team in the next round, so they should win quite easily. It's not as if they're playing, you know, Bayern Munich or anything. But um, obviously, Pep will have that in mind as well. You know, he will have that in mind, that he may want to rest a few of his key players. Um, hopefully, for us, he does. Now, obviously, we know, as, as if you look at that first game when we played them at Goodison not long ago, we were 1-0 up, we, you know, we were containing them pretty well. And then, out of nowhere, a bit of magic from Phil Foden gets them straight back in the game, doesn't it? And, you know, he, 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 that changed the game completely. All of a sudden, we're in with a chance of having a great victory here. And then that, that completely turned the game on its head. Did they get a, fort- a fortunate penalty after that? Yes, they did. You know, it, it was, let's be honest, you know, the, the, the terminology around it was he had his, he had the ball, above, his hands well above his head. No, he didn't. Um, but, you know, that's another story. We know the score with that. Sky can't milk it enough either. You, you saw that game yesterday with Arsenal-Liverpool. Carragher there was an absolute joke, by the way. So unprofessional moaning that Odegaard was taking a picture of one of their, you know, one of their photographers, who's also a massive Arsenal fan, who was in the documentary, you know, and 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 that was embarrassing from his point of view. But then Sky lording up, going, if City win tomorrow night against Brentford, then it's only two points between three. We've got a hell of a title race coming in. You know, they can't wait to hammer it up enough. Um, and, you know, I, I'll say this right now, and I'll guarantee this right now, uh, that title decider will go down to the last game of the season, 100, percent because that's what Sky will want. They'll want their Aguero moment, and I can get. I bet you any money they'll get it. They'll do everything they can to get it. If they can get three teams going for the league, even better. But they'll definitely be at least two in the last day in the day of the season, definitely. To use your phrase, mark my words. I reckon it will be, um, because you know, like I said, it's one it's one big Truman show these days. It's just an absolute TV show. But going back to the, uh, your point, um, I do think. I do think we'll contain them. If we if we do go five at the back, which I think we will, I think you're right. I think we'll go 5-4-1. And we do stay solid. Um, then we've got a chance because we've been very good defensively. If we concede an early goal, it'll be a very different game on it because then all of a sudden we've got to try and come out of that shape um, and carry more of a threat. But um, you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to go 1-1 again, Mike. I'm going to go 1-1 again. And I know that's very optimistic and... It even feels horrible saying that in in you know in a game against a fellow Premier League side. But um, I'm going to say one-one, and Dom's going to get his goal.
1: Well, I'll I'll try and pull a little bit of confidence out out the uh, out the bag here. So looking at Man City's last bunch of home games, so we go, we go back to when they played Spurs and that finished. That was uh, that was three all a late a late Spurs equaliser if uh, everyone remembers remembers that game. So three all against Spurs. If I move that forward, two all against Crystal Palace. Uh, they beat Sheffield United two 0 Huddersfield in the cup doesn't count. They then and they then beat Burnley three one. So in terms of you know blowing sides away. Now by the way, obviously you, you know there's better sides in there than us. No Spurs from being the the first one, but we've shown what we can perform against Spurs this season on, on both occasions. They're not blowing sides away and haven't done. However, I will caveat that with, obviously, the players who are now coming back and are back. Obviously, we've seen De Bruyne. You Bruyne. Know, we've got the likes of Haaland. He's probably going to play tonight. If not, his first game back could be against us. We know the quality that they've got. Sometimes you feel with City, they get they get ahead and they go, right, foot off the gas, job done. And with them playing uh, Copenhagen, maybe the week after you play us, you just never know if they could play within themselves, but it's up to us to to try and be as, as tight and, and as resolute as we can. You know, show a bit of resilience, show a bit of heart like we did last season, and and try and stay in the game for as long as we can. Um, I will go with a with a one all with you as well, but again, I put a little, little asterisks against that. And like you said, if they score early, then it could be a bit of a painful afternoon. But as I say, you do farm the City; they might get a few goals ahead. You know two or three ahead and then they just go right okay we us not knock the ball around that one get out of there but it certainly won't be a game that defines our season and not a game that i don't think that as fans we should be getting carried away with as sad as that might really it's, it's it might sound that's unfortunately where we are and where the league is at this moment in time so um we'll see what happens obviously it's the, another another half 12 kickoff you don't see us moaning like like cloth every single week because you have to play at half past 12 apparently but uh, half past twelve again, before we have a bit of, bit of a break before we, Monday night football against Palace at Goodison Park. Uh, but that's us for this week. Um, great to great to get back on, of course, um, and look ahead to to that season game and back at a, at a decent performance against Spurs. We are very close to celebrating our fifth anniversary. Uh, which is has flown by. Uh, we've been through about twenty five managers in that time since we started recording, which is which is incredible. <laughs> but um, it's been it's been a good a good five years. We'll we'll be launched obviously this month's competition very very shortly as well. As you know, we are doing one competition per month for the for the foreseeable future. We had a couple in January, so make sure you keep your, your eyes peeled on on social media, Twitter being the, the main platform uh, that we we launched those uh, those competitions on. And Lee's going to jump in now with uh, the final words of wisdom.
0: Yeah, definitely, Matt. And credit to you for that. I just wanted to say, you know, I know you run the Twitter account and you do a great job doing it. Uh, it takes a lot of time doing that. And you interact with everybody. You're doing the competitions, which is brilliant. It's nice to give back some of that. You know, any anything we make on that, we tend to give a lot of it back, don't we? You know what I mean? And, and we do a lot, obviously, with everything in the community and stuff like that as well, which is brilliant. You, you know, you do the majority of the work, so, you know, I doff my cap to you, mate, for all of the work that you do. Um, he's sitting here getting embarrassed now, but you know, you know, me and Pete will both say the same. You know, he, he does a hell of a lot to to bring the podcast to everybody. Um, he appears a lot as guests on a, a, other podcasts as well. You know, both Everton fans and, and opposing fans. Um, so massive credit. To be honest, mate, I don't even know what you do for a day job anymore. Um, but you know, I... in fairness, you give <laughs> in fairness, you give a lot of your... A lot of your time, and 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 the podcast wouldn't work without you doing it. So so ma- massive kudos to you there, mate. And like I've said before, um, you know a lot of you supported us from the very start. Coming up to five years is incredible. You know, considering we basically did it. You know, it was, it was I think it was round my my place, wasn't it? We so said we're going to sit down here, have a coffee, and just try and have a chat about the game, and you know a little bit of the whole James Richardson and Gazeta Della Sport going on, wasn't it? Um, but then it's moved on a lot since then. We've gone through a pandemic. And a lot of it's done remotely now. Uh, like in a lot of workplaces, but you know what? We've still made it work and, you know, thanks for all the feedback we get. And You know, as I've always said, if you can like, subscribe, comment, anything like that just really helps us getting the podcast out there to more and more people. So the positive feedback we get from so many fans is brilliant. I speak to so many fans going around into that as well. And and, and a lot of people listen to it and give us, you know, say say some really nice things. Uh, and it's just nice to be able to do it. And I know we give up our time to do it and do that as well, but it's just nice to be able to do it. And at the end of the day, we're just as much a fan as everybody else, aren't we? And, and it's just nice to be able to give something back with a lot of the stuff we do.
1: Yeah, that was, like we said it before, that, that's always been the aim is, is to give back, which is what we do. Um, so every time you listen to us, it helps us to give back. Um, every time we put a link out there, when we find offers for you on Fanatics, we, well, we, we do it because it gives back to us to then give back to to listeners and Everton fans and the community, and that's what I think. Maybe people, I think sometimes it's it's, it's frowned upon when people I think see these kind of things about boring people getting monetized. It's monetized from our perspective. We don't earn from this. We don't take anything from this. We give it back, and that's that's why we we you know listens are so important. So us an interactions are so important, so we can we can help people. One who need it, but also give a little bit of joy back to Everton fans. We all know it's not a very joyful experience at the best at times of times, and Everton in recent times, especially. So that's why we find it, you know, it's it's so important to us, and that's and we, we'll keep on doing that for, for as long as we as we keep on going, and for as long as you you, you keep on listening, which is the most the most important thing. Um, but, and on that I, announcement, we're just going to announce it's going to be £25 a month patron. <laughs> yeah, well, I launched our new patron, yeah, yeah, I mean, we're going to start taking them, well, not really, obviously. We, <laughs> you'll never, ever pay for our podcast, I will promise you that. We, you will never, ever be charged. I mean, why why do you want to be charged? Listen to us, so you're talking absolute nonsense, but we'll never, ever charge you to listen to us, of course, we won't. Uh, but we do appreciate your support. It doesn't go unnoticed and it allows us to do what we what we enjoy doing, which is obviously discussing Everton and also giving back to, to people uh, along the way. So thank you for listening. Thanks for supporting us, and we will catch you next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast.